There we are now live for another Monday weekly night show. I know we've said we'll it'll be the last show for the year a few times. We're a bit like Johnny Farnham on his last tour. But uh, here we are yet again. But, you know, when you, when you have a draft, you, you've got to recap and talk about a few things. And a few bits and pieces have popped up in the meantime that are, are worthy Tiger discussion. So a couple of new faces that you'll all see here tonight. But uh, Tiggs, welcome to you, mate. How you been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been going on a um, – I, I had a – my wife, because she's she's qualified now as a paramedic, you know, all that sort of stuff, she has all the uh, medical stuff at home, and she said to me randomly a couple of weeks ago, let me do a um, sugar test on you. And I was – like, it was straight after a barbecue, and I had, a, you know, friends over, so I had a few beers too, but I was like 7.8 or something. That's apparently really bad. So um, I got to thinking, you know, what can I do to fix that? So off the grog – no more sugar. Like, in the sense, I'm not stupid about it. Like, if there's sugar in food, I'll eat it. But, um, you know, because you've got to live. But no sugar in my coffee. No, no, you know, I'm not putting any sugar in anything I drink and off the grog. Had the test actually before the show. I'm at 5.4. Oh, so, so it's come down. You have yeah, been complaining of the headache, though. Right. Hmm? And has the he- headache subsided at all or it's still... Oh, I've trials? had a couple of Panadol. It's been consistent for about 48 hours, but... Um, yeah, no, I'll get through it. Hey, there's two things I want to ask. One, where's all the comments gone on the um, – it's saying something about Steam Yard. I can't – No, comments are okay. Yeah, there we go. No, the comments are yeah, coming in. Comments Michael are coming in. It up. But, uh, welcome yeah, to all the viewers who tuned in. Drop your comments in there. Yeah, let's give a thought to CB17. Um, the two boys that are new to the show, welcome. Um, CB's our god. Like, he's, he's you know, metrosexual. <laughs> the, he's the alpha male. example of a metrosexual. Oh, he is. He's <laughs> – I wouldn't say alpha male because he's got that effeminate streak, but he's the he's look he's the Richmond follower of the millennial generation. He looks after his skin, and I urge you both boys get on his socials and just enjoy it. He's just absolutely gorgeous. Yes, get you, mate. He'll be he'll be watching at some stage. Uh, speaking he'll of the new guests, firstly, welcome Tugger, the esteemed mod from the Richmond Big Footy Board. How are you, mate? Nice to have you on board. Going well, Michaels. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't know about esteemed. I tend to just sort of let the others do all the work and uh, and sit back and. Uh, I, I and can vouch for that conversation. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, don't don't you throw stones from your glasshouse, mate? Oh, what did I do? Oh. Oh, quite, gee, okay. Quite. Yeah, Sounds yeah. like I, I need to have an off-air discussion about something that I may have no, done. No. I read you, no, I read you, mate. <laughs> I, no. I, re- I remember uh, Chief giving you a little message and saying, don't you mod anything? Or was that? Oh, that might have no. been ND. No, no, he did it to me. But, all, you know, I was doing yeah. all the weekly updates and the links. But, uh, no, that's all right. It's all a bit of fun. But you been well? Going well. Yep. All good. Yeah, you harassed us to get on the show. You've been, you've been keen to come on. I'm really glad to have you on board for this one. Well, I used to do a little bit of uh, cricket uh, um, broadcasting and footy broadcasting back in the day up in Shep. So uh, I've been out of it for a while, uh, just sort of testing the waters again. It's never too late to restart. Very good. And uh, like we do with all our new guests, we'd just like to find out a little bit about them. So how long have you been a Tiger supporter for and how did it all sort of come about? Uh, well, my story wasn't uh, your conventional um, type uh, of... Uh, of getting uh, roped into the Tiger family. I, uh, my family um, didn't follow footy. Uh, my grandmother loosely followed Richmond. Uh, my grandfather, who uh, came off the boat from Italy at the age of two, he, he followed Melbourne. I adored the man. 
Um, Dad was Essendon, but not really into it, and Mum wasn't into it at all. I remember it really vividly. Um, I was seven years old, uh, so 1977, I'm giving my age away. Um, I decided that I would barrack for either Essendon, Carlton, or Richmond. And I, I remember the moment, like 44 years ago, clear as, clear as day. Um, and I sat down in the lounge room and just said, I'm going to barrack for and um, simple as that yeah and my mum ended up coming on board it was uh you know getting towards 79 when disco roach was like running a mark in 1980 and uh, mum and i'd have this little ritual where i'd sit up on the on the counter while she made the casseroles for tea uh for the replay and we'd listen to it on the radio i'd jot down all the scores and uh, she became um just a massive richmond follower and uh we lost her just before the 2017 grand final, which uh, uh, which was very sad, but uh, made the trip up uh, to her grow site every year that we'd won the flag and decorated it and had a beer with her out of the out of the Richmond uh, Richmond cans that were that were produced. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Very nice, and so you're you're wearing a uh, Tottenham Hotspur hat as well, which gets my tick of approval. Uh, CB well, we, lifted game. This is the type of headwear that we do accept on the show. We don't win too many, so we beat the <laughs> absolute might of Norwich City uh, last night, which uh, which is, uh, I mean, they're a huge club. Um, so, got to take the wins when you can get them as Spurs fans. It's a bit like being a Richmond supporter pre 2017. Oh, it's, the hope, it's the hope that kills you. It is. <laughs> now, it's a long time coming being a Richmond supporter. Uh, and our last guest, Carl Bianco from 3OW. Welcome, mate. Nice to have you on board. Thanks for putting your hand up to come on. No, guys, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, It's been a long time since I've been able to have a, a good conversation about the, my beloved Tykes. So, uh, I did see someone post a comment to you today. When was the last time you were on a, a show of this nature? Well, in 2017, uh, I was working at SEN at the time, and uh, that was the year we decided to create uh, the Tiger Tragics podcast. Uh, so I co-hosted that with uh, Tony Shebeki, the voice of the MCG, who's a mad Tiger supporter, and um, Mitchell Scott, otherwise known as the Whipping Boy at SEN. So um, we're all uh, Tiger mad, and uh, and the year that we we got our breakthrough premiership was also the year that we created a Richmond podcast and uh, spoke all things Richmond. So it was uh, a good year. We've actually got that in common there because 17 was the year that this started as well. So yeah. I think we can all take credit for the success of the club by the sounds of it. Yeah. That's what I'm taking out of that. Yeah, for sure. But um, unlike uh, us, you guys uh, kept going and been going strong. So. <laughs> and how's the work at AW going? You're kicking goals there? Oh, that's really good, thanks. Yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been at AW for almost four years now and um, working at the moment on uh, on Grubby's uh, program and his, as his producer on the weekends, on the weekend break. So, um, yeah, no, that's been good fun. And then uh, during the footy season, I, I work out, I work on the uh, the AFL coverage for 3AW as well. So I've uh, been lucky to see some behind-closed-doors matches of the Tigs this year when we uh, we didn't have crowds, but um, the, the media were allowed in, fortunately. But uh, the results didn't always go our way. So. <laughs> what was so, that like? Uh, atmosphere wise being there like being at the ground having elite players running around was it just an eerie feeling not having any atmosphere compared to what we're used to on a daily on a weekly basis i oh, extremely eerie eerily it was just you know you you wouldn't go in the traditional way you're used to going in for, for media or any supporter like 
everyone had to go in a, a particular way, whether it be at Marvel or if it be at the MCG. You know, you had to get temperature tested. You had to fill out like COVID waivers to, to say that you hadn't been at hotspots and um, all these sorts of things, you know, obviously really strict protocols so that we could have the game continue. Um, and then, yeah, like hardly anybody, you know, had the ground apart from essential staff and uh, broadcasters had to use at times up to two different commentary boxes. So we're all sort of spread out without throughout Jesus. the stadium. Um, just for the sake of making sure that we, you know, stood by the, the guidelines, because you know the square meter ratio that uh, that was in place in most workspaces for those who were essential workers was the same for for broadcasting. So we might right. have three three people in one box and then another three people in a box, two boxes across or next to us. It just depended on um, the ratio of the grounds. So yeah, it was it, it was a surreal experience, and hopefully we never have to experience that again. Yeah, Carl, I've got to ask you a question. You're there watching a game. I want to know if this has ever happened to you. Um, do you get to actually watch the game? As you, obviously, you're producing, but have you ever been caught up in the moment and let yourself, um, you know, your Tiger supporter just rip out? Yeah, look, I generally try not to do Richmond games for that reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm just worried. Like, one of the uh, first games I remember doing was when Rance did his ACL in round one. Oh, yeah. So I've, uh, I've put my hand up to work that game, and the next thing you know, I'm in the rooms after the game, just standing in the background, and, and Alex was the first one that was in the rooms, obviously, and it was just like a real sombre feeling. We got the win against Carlton, but, you know, our back line was in, in jeopardy after our best defender going down, so... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying I'm a jinx, um, but I kind of, <laughs> you know, I've, I've tried my best over the years to not always be at the Richmond games. But um, no, I, I have seen a handful of Richmond games. Um, probably the most, most notable one I was at, I think it was when we belted St Kilda uh, a few years ago. It might have been the Alana and Madeline game or one, one of the games against St Kilda. But um, yeah, no, I was in the rooms and I, I got to see the the song sung. So I think anytime you actually have a moment where you can be in the rooms where we do win and you see, you know, all, all your players get together in a huddle and, and sing the song, it's a pretty surreal moment. You know, I never thought I'd ever get to see something like that in my life. Yeah. So to be in a position where yeah, I get awesome. to do that every now and then, it's it's, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, it's pretty surreal. So, And finally, before we get stuck into it, how did you become a Tiger supporter? So um, Tiger supporter all my life. Uh, my grandfather, when he first came over from Italy, uh, he uh, lived in Richmond with his brother and his brother was a Melbourne supporter. Don't know how that worked, um, but he chose Melbourne. But the first thing he did when he came over, got off the boat, one of the first things he did was go to Punt Road. So he just fell in love with Richmond and it became... Uh, a Bianco family tradition to support the Tigers. And so uh, I didn't have a say in the matter. I basically got handed a Tigers <laughs> footy when I was a child. And uh, I've been a Richmond supporter ever since. Yeah, I think that's a commentary that's, I was... I'm scarily familiar with mine. Well, I'm, I'm Spanish background. And, and my dad, um, as you know, in Spain, football's everything, right? Football. Mm. Uh, it's part of, your, part of your family, you know, the club that you support. It's a generational thing in Spain. So when he came off the boat, funny enough, like you blokes... We got set up in the Simmons Street Commission Flats in South Yarra. And his first words were hello to his neighbour. And his second word was, who's our football side? And it was Richmond <laughs> in the zone that we're in. So he straight away didn't have much money to his name, um, signed himself and myself as a as a member. 
and that's how it all started. He had he's he's passed on now, but um, when I was younger, my biggest memory of him is going to the game with him, and till basically the year of his passing, he would celebrate every goal like a soccer goal. So you got to sort of think about. <laughs> you have been you know, exhausted by the end of the game. <laughs> Mate, he was like, yeah, goal. <laughs> it was great. Goals were few and far between in the early 90s. They were like soccer goals. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. All right, we'll get stuck into it. The first one's sort of a Richmond topic, but sort of not. The AFL have uh, made the call to change the opening game for the season to a grand final rematch, if we're allowed to call it that, uh, on the Wednesday night, so meaning that we are the second game on the Thursday night. Now, this could divide the rumour, we all might be in agreement, but I've said for years that the first game of the following season should always be the two teams from the previous grand final. One, because they've both had the same lead-up into the season, so it's going to be a bit more even on that front. Two, unfurling the flag in front of the team you knocked off just adds a bit of heat to it, I reckon. I know the team who won the grand final won't care if they lost because you know they got the flag, but I just feel like it makes sense. And I think the Richmond-Carlton opening game has run its race, Tugger. Uh, I know, you know, we they got the wood on us early, but we've, we pegged a few back along the journey. But we'll go around the room. Tugger, what's, what's, what's your vibe on the uh, opening round? Uh, get rid of Carlton. Absolutely get Just rid of altogether. Carlton. Oh, yeah, preferably. Um, yeah. <laughs> look, that they've been hanging off our coattails for the best part of a decade. So um, the, I reckon they should open every season against the Gold Coast Suns because they're about as relevant as each other. Um <laughs> As far as your uh, your your opinion, I, I agree and I disagree. Um, I I reckon the I reckon the season needs to settle in a little bit um, before the two grand finalists play each other. Just so it needs to build up a little bit more. Um, although I do see I do see the merit in in unfurling the flag against the team that you beat. Um, but I'd just like to see the season sort of get involved a little bit. Um, and then have the two grand finalists play. But as far as our round one game, absolutely. it's I'm, I'm sick of playing Carlton on Thursday night. Absolutely sick to death of it. Stuff them. I mean, it's been an easy win the last few years. That's been nice. Uh, Carl, what's your take on it? I, it kind of took me as a bit of a shock, to be honest, that the, the AFL made a statement and came out and said they're going to do it on a Wednesday night. I, I, I don't really see the purpose in having Wednesday night football um, we haven't seen a lot of it other than really during the COVID time when I had to make up for for a few games there. Um, obviously, we love our footy and we won't say no to footy, but I would have preferred to have seen Richmond and Carlton still be the opener this year and the grand final rematch be on Friday night. Because if you look at the actual Friday night game that they've put in there, it's St Kilda and Collingwood. Like, I mean... Why, why Friday night football is is a massive thing um, and you want people to be to watching. Channel 7 would want the audiences, all the radio teams would want people listening to an engaging game. And, look, you know, I don't know. Collingwood St Kilda might be an all right game. We, we don't know sort of where they're both at um, with the various changes that have gone on with those clubs. But I would have thought, you know, you get a blockbuster crowd on a Friday now, night, um, the kids... You know that um, the parents that get, take their families, their kids to the, the footy, they can go on Friday night because the next day is the weekend. As opposed to, you know, you might be in this instance a bulldog supporter or a Melbourne supporter and, and not want to take your kids because they've got to go to school the next day. 
Um, I, I just think, you know, it's a bit silly. I, I, I would have preferred to have seen it on Friday night. Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the midweek part's a bit stupid. Yeah. In theory, sense. the teams in theory make sense, but yeah, the day is a bit, um, a bit crazy, Tiggs. Yeah, look, I'm similar to you, lads, in the sense that it should have been changed years ago. Like, in the AFL, I don't know, we, they came out pretty hard saying, oh, you know, because Melbourne didn't get to see their team, even though, you know, people got to see the game live. Um, the thing that shits me about it is they do it for Melbourne, Melbourne wins the grand final, so then now they make the change. But when Richmond won it in 2017, they could have made the change. They could have made the change in 2019. They could have made the change in 2020, but they didn't. It seems to be, oh, because, you know, you know, that's, you know, because I know that AFL can't stand their thought process for me, just beggars for like one, Gill's come out, and I think he seriously believes this, that on Wednesday night they're going to get record crowds. No, they're not. It's Melbourne. No disrespect, Deeks. You know, you've got a loyal hardcore as hardcore as they come supporter group, yeah? But there's about 35,000 of you, right? And then you've got the Bulldogs and the ones that, you know, at, you know, on a Wednesday night, let's say you get an extra 30. Let's say, no, actually, let's say you get 35. That's 70, right? That'd be huge for a Wednesday for them. That'd be huge. But it won't be a record. It, it, not even close. So in my opinion, how it should be, we should have fucked Wednesday and Thursday nights out in the first round of the year. Forget about stop AFL trying to make us American sport. We're not American sport. You fuck up the draft because you think we're American sport with the, you know, one round. We've got no college system to back up what we have. So we're not American. So what you need to do is, and I'm agreeing with Cole in the sense that what I would have done years ago would have put um, the opening game uh, would have been on, uh, would be the Friday night game. And let's say that's, look, I like Richmond and Colton. Um, it's going to turn, the circle will turn. We've won 11 years. But put it in the right spot where families can enjoy. You can really maximise the crowds. Um, grand final replay would be the Saturday afternoon, the same time as the grand final before at the MCG. And you could really, you know, get the families involved. People have barbecues and all that sort of stuff. And then you feel all the sides around it. Um, it's just, look... This shelf just shows me and reinforces again the AFL hierarchy. The decision makers have no touch with the AFL footy public. Zero. They've, they've used the last two years to condition us for watching Australian rules football on television. Because we can't go. Us. They've conditioned us and they've wired it into our brains that it's a television sport. That's that's yeah. the only reason. But I think also... I think also that if you if they had have done it earlier, say maybe, you know, after we won our first flag in 2017, the AFL came out and made a statement say, hey, we're going to have grand final rematch round one. It's going to be the first game of the season. You'd, you'd see everybody arcing up and saying, oh, but Richmond played the first game of the season anyway, you know. Like, yeah. the, the, the argument would have it's... been, well, what's the point? You know, okay, you just you have a different opposition. It's not Carlton, it's Adelaide or, you know, whoever it is. Yeah, my worry is, like Tugger sort of said, they're trying to condition us to make our sport a TV sport, like the NFL is, um, and that will kill the spirit of the game for me. Um, but, you know, we'll see how we go. You only have to look at the crowds last year when we were allowed to go to certain games, and we we got 9,000 to a game at Marvel against the Gold Coast. I mean, 9,000? Oh. Yeah, but Tugger, I tried to go to a couple of games. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare. You know, like in relation I was able to. Codes. That was yeah. a that was a shocker. You had you had issues where I got a family of six, and only a few of us could go. Mm. 
So you're not going to just leave half your family at home in the other half. And that would be the same. It's like, I've got a core group of mates. We all go to the footy and have a great time. That's become, since we were teenagers, right? So to break that open, um, you just couldn't do it. It's like, all right, if you can't go, I'm not going. Um, We'll do it at home. So I reckon that will normalise. I reckon this year, if everything just, you know, common sense prevails and we can just go to the games and, um, you know, live our lives, I reckon the crowds will come back in a rush. But just pause a Sorry, I was just going to say, just quickly on that, I think which is what what is a massive disadvantage to the AFL is the fact that we've got two different ticketing systems, Ticketmaster and Ticket Tech, because I'm not, I think it's Ticketmaster at Marvel. That's the one that's a real pain in the backside to have to coordinate through. I, I found personally with my own experiences throughout the season, it was, you know, um, we need membership codes. And sometimes when you chuck the codes in, it wouldn't wouldn't process properly. Um, and then particularly like in the Gold Coast situation where we only got 9,000, you know, the first release was to Gold Coast because it was their home game that they were allocated a marvel given the circumstances. Like it was just, yeah, I reckon if the AFL were able to, you know, have one ticketing system as opposed to two, like have a unique deal with Ticket Tech or Ticketmaster, which I, I look, I don't see it happening in a foreseeable future, uh, but if it was the one ticketing system, I reckon that would resolve a lot of the issues we had this year. I agree. I think that's a huge um, just turn off people trying to get into the game. Like some people waste, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and, you know, you might get three quarters of the way through booking your seats and it boots you out and you've got to start again. And yeah, it's just yeah. a bit of a stuff. And I agree. If they could funnel it through one and just make sure everything's running as it should, then uh, that would make it a bit more appealing to people. Travis Frost right. is right. I, 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 I'm not sure if it's a frosty from ship that I know, but um, he's right. Um, the walk up the old days. Walk up, walk up. I mean, nowadays you have to plan three days in advance if you want to go. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a full day exercise. Like a, it's not a casual outing as such anymore, is it? It's a, an organised event. Yeah, um, you can't just go. You can't just go. Let's have a counter meal. Um, let's say it with a couple of mates at six o'clock, six eight, six pm, and go. Oh shit, there's a game on across yeah. the road. You want to go get go there? You can't do that anymore. And that's, now, that's the, just the same department of where it is. Yeah. There's some uh, exciting Damien Hardwick news. Not only was he sporting mm. the visor today, which means he's meaning some serious business, but he's come back from his recent US trip. And the, the last time that he went on a self-reflection journey, it uh, netted us a pretty good result the following year. The question being, though, on the back of a year where we did fail to make finals, what kind of things would you be hoping Dimmer would go away to try and relearn or to try and find in preparation for his 2022 season? Well, having travelled to if the I States can... many times, the uh, the burgers are very nice and the craft beers in Denver are fantastic, so that's what I'd take away from it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> My feeling with Dimmer, it, he's very much, to side reflects Dimmer's mental state. It's weird. When Dimmer's relaxed and or aggressive, we play relaxed, aggressive, or, or become aggressive. When Dimmer's frustrated, we tend to be disjointed and not, not connecting and um, I was stoked to hear that he's gone out. He's taken, he, he looked exhausted. He looked like the side looked last year, mentally spent. Um, so seeing him doing, you know, running, you know, shuttle runs, I'd call it with him, um, enjoying being out on the track. That's just with the young kids that we've got. Um, he's a smart tactical coach. He's one of the best in the leagues. You don't win three flags um, if you're not. He's got, yeah, and he's relaxed. If he enjoys it, which hopefully I think he is, That'll bleed to the side and it will mean we'll just play our natural, relaxed Richmond footy. Um, so hopefully that's what it translates to. 
Now, speaking of the young players, Jack Graham uh, was on video the other day, and, and he's come out and said, and as you would hope, that the players are hungry, the playing group are wanting to make amends for the missing out in finals last year, and that the captain vote, which is going to be the players' decision, will be happening uh, later in January. Now, I know we've spoken about it before, Tiggs, um, so it'd be interesting to see if your opinions change, but Tiger and Carl, what are your views on the captaincy situation? Are there any standouts? Who, who would be your front runners? And to the viewers as well, if your opinions have changed in the last few weeks, send through who you think might be good candidates for captaincy as well. Yeah. Well, I, I was uh, just noticing lately, uh, I reckon, and I could be reading too much into this, I think the club might be giving us subtle hints of who we could be seeing as our captain next year. Uh, because if you look, I, I mean, take Koch aside, because obviously he's just stepped down. If you look at the people that have been doing messages, I've noticed Grimes, he's done a message uh, lately. You know, I think that was today showing the boys back on the track. He was focused on a bit. Uh, we had Nick Vloston do a message for something not too long ago. And then Jackie Graham, I noticed, has been doing a bit of media too. So maybe I'm reading too much into it. But if I had to narrow it down, um, I'd be narrowing it down to, to one of those three uh, personally. But then I know I've seen you guys make comments about Nan Kervis being a bit of a left of field uh, captain as well. And I think, you know, he's highly credentialed to, to be a, a good, strong captain too. So that's my read on it. I think for uh, I think if Jack Graham's going to get it, he probably needs to increase his output a bit more. Um, I don't think he's a good enough player yet um, to be captain. Um, he's still young. I mean, doesn't he look fit, by the way, Fridge? He looks a million bucks. Uh, really hoping that he can get going uh, in the midfield this year. I I don't think there's any obvious standout. It makes me appreciate how much uh, Trent Cotchin did for the footy club as captain. Um, Tom Lynch has experience in doing it uh, on the uh, at the at the Suns. On that, that's a tough gig, um, and he also doesn't mind sort of playing that villain role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, criticism, media criticism, he won't be bothered by it. Um, Nick Lawson, I think, is probably the standout captain. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Dave. That was a funny. Uh, um, but he's just a little bit. Uh, undisciplined on the field. Um, if I had to make a decision, it would be Dylan Grimes. Uh, I just think he's got that calming, um, calming influence down in defence. Uh, nice demeanour, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Tom Lynch actually to do it because um, he's got experience and he got a bit of mongrel in him. Going down a similar path to you, Carla, uh, reading, with reading into, into things too much, apparently it was Lynch who, were re- who was reaching out to the draftees very, very quickly with a, a text message and a phone call. I know that could just be the, obviously the nice thing to do, but um, mm. yeah, usually it's a, a prominent person who would do that. But uh, yeah, he's, it could be an interesting one. Tiggs, has, have you changed your opinion at all over the well, last week or two? It was great. I put a tweet out for a smoky, right? And I think people misunderstood me saying, oh, yeah, I think name Kerbis is a lock. Um, who I think should get it, who deserves to get it, in my opinion, I forget about, you know, long-term plans and all that sort of shit, is Dustin Martin. That's my that's my boy, right? He's he's won finals off his own boot. He's He sets the standard of the training track, which is coming out. You know, that's what he does. His preparation is elite. You've had reading into things you've had from the CEO, the coach, the, the, the previous captain, all talk about how elite he is in his preparation, how he gets around the boys... Um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, how he takes younger kids in with, under his wing, you know. He had 
I forgot who was that young boy he had brought in. Marlon Pickett came and lived in his place, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's captain. That's action of a captain or a future leader or a leader. So I wouldn't, I would really think if the players, the players are voting this, right? So I sort of thought about it before I did my tweet and I said, all right, let's say Dusty didn't get it. Who, who's the one that I reckon has sort of that makes you walk taller on, on the field, who, who the players just absolutely love and play better when he's in the side? Like, well, I haven't looked at games one with big players in the side. And the Dan Kervis is staking him really high. When he's in the side, the team plays a different way. Um, we were a lot more direct. We're a lot more defensively minded. Um, and um, we have a steal about us, you know what I mean? So that's what I thought. And the players love him. He's young. He fits that young future. And I thought, why smoke he'd be an Ankervis? Um, but in saying that, you know, if Lawson gets it, Edwards, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him. I've called him Jesus for the past five years. We got it. <laughs> Grimes, if he gets it, I'd be happy as a pig and shit. So he can't really go wrong. Um, but yeah, my main call is Martin. My smokey is Nank Curvis. Surely with Martin and Nank, um, just part of being captain now is not just um, within the four walls. It's to project uh, the voice of the club uh, on the outside. And uh, Dusty doesn't like it. Nank hates the media more than Dusty does. And yeah. unfortunately, but we've got other players. Yeah. yeah, but you need to put yeah. your captain up. Exactly. You need to put your captain up. Can I it's just do that rebuttal? Captains are really important for sponsorship nights, and, and Martin doesn't, right? A lot of people don't realise. He goes to he goes to clinics. He goes to sportsman's events. He does – for Jeep, he did a lot of. For Puma, he's done a lot for. Um, for Nib, he's done a lot for. Um, he used to go with Cochin all the time, right? So doing that part of the captaincy role with the internal – you know, internal support, um, uh, sponsorship, sponsorship management, let's call it. I reckon you'll be fine and they'll do it, right? See, the thing is what I think I saw, I noticed what you noticed, Carl, and what I think I'm getting a feeling of, let's say Martin gets it, or Nan Curvis, someone that historically don't like, doesn't like doing the media, they're now educating the media that they've got other three players that will do that. You know, you've got your Grimes, you've got your Vlosten, and you've got your Graham. That can be that external mouthpiece. Mm. Um so it'd be interesting, Tub. It'd be interesting to see. I see it differently. I see, um, I see. You know, who cares what the football media thinks? It's all about Richmond. You know, yeah. I reckon that might be the focus this year. It's all about us. You know, fuck the rest. Pardon the pun. You know how it used to be. Us fuck the rest, like the old Richmond Richmond days. I think we might go back to that a little bit this year. I just think on that though, like. If we look at when Koch was appointed, he was a, a pretty young uh, appointed captain. He was in his early 20s. And if I look at any player that I could not necessarily compare to as far as playing ability, but leadership ability, um, I think if we want to invest in a, in a player as a captain, that's going to be a long-term captain. For me, like I said from day one since he joined the club, that Jack Graham would be a great fit as a captain of the club. Whether that's, his, that's now, that's his time to step up. I think Koch was a similar age, sort of 23, 24, when he got the captaincy. I, I think he'd be he'd be capable with the support of, you know, existing leaders like Jack and Grimesy and stuff like that, and they'd be more than willing to, to support him. Um, I get the point on Tom Lynch with, with his former captaincy, you know, at the Gold Coast, but I think whether you like it or not, as a captain, you have to be um, able to, to front the media and answer questions. And I... Personally, I don't think Tom Lynch is a massive, um, a, a, a very well-performed sort of person when it comes to media. 
but I'm not, and it's not to say that that couldn't change, but he just sort of beats around the bush a little bit whenever I've seen him front press conferences and stuff like that. And I think the years of, you know, oh, being at Gold Coast and, and then coming potentially coming to Richmond has probably weighed up on him a little bit as far as how he performs when he's in front and in front of media. So uh, I, I don't think he needs to be captain to be a leader. I think he just shows his leadership naturally, Tom, and, and that's been proven, you know, when he, he first came to the club in his first season, you know, Rewalt went down and he, he had to hold up the forward line, you know, for eight or nine weeks until Rewalt came back. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I think Jack Graham, but really uh, whoever ends up getting it, I'm going to be supporting him no matter what. So... The thing is, as well, is like you, you talked about Cochin getting it when he was younger. You look at the position the club was in then versus now, and you just feel a lot more comfortable about if we did go a younger leader, that they're not going to be thrown to the walls. We do have the right things in place to to guide him through and set him up to to have the best crack at it possible. Whereas Koch had to really learn on the run, um, yeah. and he was kind of thrown to the wolves a bit through no fault of his own, and he, he swum in the end, but. Um, yeah, I think we are in a better spot to do that if we wish to go down that path. But it, it wouldn't shock me if we did find a bit more of a senior one to stand in for a couple of years until, you know, I think what you said, Tiger, was kind of a bit, a bit spot on as well with Jack Graham. If he does have leadership qualities, that's great. But you want him to be cemented 22 as well and really shining on the field too to, to warrant it. You don't want to have someone who, I don't know, externally might be viewed as floating in and out or isn't a lock as such, but... Ah, well, it's uh, going to be... Shane Edwards might be a good choice for a year. Yeah, I mean, he showed he could do it when we were a few leaders down. Um, I don't think he's got too much time left. He might only have one year, but... He's getting better with age. Well, he might play the 40. I'm hoping he has two years. I'm hoping he has at least minimum two, three years, actually 15 years. No, I hope he has at least two years, Edwards. I uh, hope hope he has at least, you know, two years. All right, the, uh, there's a bit of news come out we'll touch on quickly about the new development of Punt Road. I'm just reading off notes here. I'll uh, go through a few things. So they want Punt Road to be resized to the same dimensions as the G. Uh, the redevelopment will comfortably accommodate 8,000 spectators, which is good. The home of the Bashahooli Foundation, uh, quality classroom space for the Melbourne Indigenous Tra- um, Transition School, underground car parking. So the cost of the project, $65 million, and 30 of that has been secured thanks to the generous support of the federal and state governments. Uh, and the club's obviously going to have to do some of their own fundraising efforts to, to get the rest over the line. But it's, you know, it's nice to be in a spot where you can have these nice things and upgrade it and still make yourself a destination club, I guess. Um, yeah, it, you know, hopefully they keep the right things intact. Uh, but yeah, I mean, redevelopment's always a nice thing, I think. It's exactly what the women's football, our women's football side needed. Now they've got their home ground. They'll have facilities that they can play against other teams. And yeah, so hopefully the AFL doesn't poo-poo it, it just dismisses it. But because of the location where Punt Road is, let's say you had Port Melbourne, Port versus the Suns, and they're going to play in Victoria. They can now go, okay, we can actually put them in Vic. If they want to grow their membership base here in Victoria, they might get 5,000. You can play them in Punt Road. You know what I mean? You know, because they're going to have, what, 8,000 and something like that, so they can get a good atmosphere. and um, Yeah, but no, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it too. Oregon's going to be fantastic. I I'm, um, I mean, I understand people are uh, very protective of the Jack I stand. Um, I don't hold that view. Um, it was been, it's been neglected for 
for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden people care about it. Um, look, that's just it just has to happen. Um, I I think, especially at uh, comfortably uh, uh, accommodating eight thousand people, which means our BFL side and our um, AFLW side um, gets to play in front of good crowds um, who are not crammed in. Um, I, I just think it's a win-win all round. Mm. Yeah, no. Look, it's. I think it's well overdue the upgrade. Um, I think the grandstand's been like pretty dilapidated. You know, they've done minor touch-up jobs over the years, and and I get the the history behind it. You know, there's a lot of history there because it's. I think the oldest. It would be the oldest thing at Punt Road. Um, but uh, yeah, we we need to accommodate for our ever expanding footy department. And uh, yeah, I, I but I, I think in saying that, the reason why it's taken so long to to come to the development that they're proposing now is because of the heritage of the grandstand so mm. there has to be elements of it that they keep with the the rebuild sort of like what they've done at the lakeside over obviously that's not no longer a footy ground but they've sort of got parts of the old grandstand there on the outside and then internally you know it's all modern so i think they'll probably end up doing that i think that's the plan to sort of have a bit of old with the new um, and yeah, I think it, it, it can only make our club stronger having a, a massive yeah. facility there. So. And you can hundred percent still pay tribute and honour the existing legacy of the stand in, in other ways um, that doesn't diminish it by any stretch of the imagination. So, well, they're going to I, use the bricks um, from yeah. the stand yeah. as part of yeah. the walkway. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. it's it's a it's a nice touch to add. And I'm sure you know if you looked at other stadiums around the world that have been rebuilt on older buildings i'm sure they've all done something similar but hmm. it's just a way to pay you know pay respect to the heritage um and yeah i think it's gonna it can only be a good thing so especially you know with vfl footy you know you see the kind of crowds that walk over to the punt road before the game and they make their way over and hopefully the same thing happens you know with avlw as well so we've got the membership base to warrant a bit of an expansion like that and look before you know it will be as big as uh, gmhba just keep adding seats every second year Someone yeah, just commented as well. I'm not sure who it was um, that uh, the Dyer family supports um, the development as well. Yeah, and that's so. that's important too. And you know, if they're behind it, then I mean, there shouldn't be much else standing in the way. I wouldn't have thought. So, now be interesting to see how that goes and a nice new fresh stand and get everyone out there watching. You know, what the silver lining is just quickly. Eventually, when it develops even further, we could become like bleating cat supporters. Who can we don't get home games? That's what we're building up to. I like it. it. Awesome. <laughs> I think I think the biggest difference there, though, at the end of the day, is our home ground actually is, you know, what, a couple hundred metres from our training facilities as opposed to, you know, we've got a 100,000-seat stadium that we play at down the road, whereas theirs is an hour away <laughs> out, of, out of Melbourne. So, yeah. uh, uh, good old July. Yeah. Uh, all right, we uh, had a good draft hall, didn't we, fellas, yes. the, uh, the other oh, week? Mm. Oh, look, I know you said it, Tiggs, but the way they run that is just frustrating. Mm. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that part of it. Uh, we'll go through we'll go through the picks and just get some uh, thoughts. And by all means, people watching, send through your thoughts on the, the new recruits as well. So Josh Gibson, Gibkiss, we took with pick nine, key defender, athletic, good skills, intercepts, uh, composed, can play at both ends, but obviously has spent bulk of his time in defence. Um you know, it's always a little bit of a shock to this, not shock to the system, but typically speaking, a lot of our first picks in years gone by have been the best available mid, but this year we've gone best available player, which happened to be uh, young Josh, who, who was ranked by a lot of the, the fandom drafts in potentially the top five or six players. So um, I think it made sense for us to take him. Obviously, Asprey's finished up. We've got Tarrant for a few years. 
and it, it just seems like a natural fit. But uh, what's everyone's thoughts on on getting young Josh on board? Okay, uh, I I wanted Hobbs. <laughs> I'll I'll put that out yeah. there right away. Um, yep. I felt that we needed um, to address some areas in which we're deficient, and that is uh, stoppages um, and inside mids. However, on reflection, uh, I just don't think we could have passed up Gibkiss. Um, he's just too talented. He's just, I mean, these sort of blokes, 196 centimetres, runs like wind, intercept marks, can go forward. I mean, I, I hate to put too much pressure on him, but he could be our kind of, you know, Bud Franklin, J Jared Ruffhead type that uh, that we've taken <coughs> early. Um, I'm I'm not unhappy about the selection at all. Um, I did want Hobbs though. I'll put that out there. And my understanding is we really tried to get him just before Essendon's pick. Um, we offered 15 and 26. They said no, and I'm hearing that we also offered uh, next year's third rounder, which wasn't enough. So um, they tried. Okay. Carl. Mm. Yeah. No, I was. Pretty wrapped with Kipkis. Um, as as far as I've uh, understand, he's the best performing defender in the draft. And given that we have lost some quality defenders, premiership defenders, we we needed to restore our uh, defensive stocks. Like invest in some quality up and coming defenders that can learn from our existing good crop that are still around with us. Um, and and you know it, it shows a lot of promise. Speaks really well. Uh, and uh, I, I think is is going to be fantastic. It's not very often you get uh, a, a quality young defender in a, a, as a top ten draft pick. And, and I, I think I haven't really seen it happen in Richmond for a while. We've we've gone with a defensive approach um, in the draft. But uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled with him. I, I think he's going to be fantastic for us. He did speak well. That was the one thing that I noticed, Tiggs, is that not not that it makes any difference, but he just seemed to have a level head on his shoulders when they were talking to him. Yeah, most of the boys did, which is great. Like, no, nah, because I'm, I'm stoked with. For me, our back line, which has been our pillar for so many years, is aging. We lost two. You got Grimes. He's at thirty odd years of age. Broad, I think he's nearly thirty now. Twenty nine, going on to thirty. Um, we've got some youth in the running, small running backs in Mansell and and Short, um, and we've just put Daniel Rioli there. So. It was a really smart call. He's a freak of an athlete. I can see us putting him in the forward line to get some education in the forward line as he builds his um, builds his body up to handle other forwards and he get him finding you know AFL forward patterns and then sliding him in the back line. Um, and him combination him and Bolter. What I really like about it, I can see an offensive type into his game. So I love about him because he's he's cocky. He's got that. He's got a bit. I don't know. I just see mongrel in him. You know, he's not going to be bullied. He's not going to be cowed. He believes he's as good as he is. Um, yeah, so that was a really good, really good pick. Yeah, really happy with that. Uh, with pick 17, this is controversial just based on name alone. Tom Brown, this will be the closest that Tom Brown's gotten to Richmond for quite some time, I imagine. Uh, a medium defender, halfback flank, good speed, rebounder, footy smarts. Um, I think this pick probably caught a few people by surprise just based on who was left on the board. But again, the, the club were, were pretty firm in their, their thinking of taking the, their best available in their opinion at the time, Tugger. And he would have been gone by the time our pick 28 came around because Geelong uh, would have taken him. Um, yeah. Uh, he's a Marutna boy. Uh, they breed him tough up in Marutna. Um, my uh, my Golden Valley uh, mates reckon he's could be uh, the absolute player of the draft for us. Um, really? He, okay. He plays taller than what he is. He's 
beautiful overhead and he's quick and it's quite clear um, what um, what our recruiting staff actually used this draft for and that's uh, to combat the uh, the stand rule and to inject speed from back half and yeah I, can, uh, I, I, I love this pick probably the, the most out of anything because Geelong were desperate for him. Right, and then a few people in chat were saying that the, the Swans were planning on taking with their next pick as well, yes. Carl. So, obviously, mm. some hot property there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, he's a, a top, end up being a top 20 draft pick. We've, we've got him, um, you know, where we've got him. And uh, I think uh, they, they'll be more than happy to get a player of, of his calibre. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to him uh, eventually getting at it and putting on the yellow and black. It's, it, it's just exciting for these new recruits to, uh, to come to such a, a good football club. Do you reckon he, he stays in the Tom defensive Brown half? Too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Tom um, Tom Stewart. Tom, yeah, well, fuck, if you play like Tom Stewart, we're laughing. Yeah, well, yeah. he's 186 he's... centimeters. He could grow to 188, 189. Yeah, and I think it comes down to like Tiggs. You mentioned some players before in Rioli, Mansell. Obviously, we, we got Short down there as well, who were quite young in their own right. Yeah. And then we've got Brown. Do you think the club have drafted him with the view to play him down back, or do you think there's going to be some shuffling of the deck chairs? This is the beauty of what I've seen. What they've done. It's just not Brown. It's a few other players that want to speak about later, but they've picked a group of players that can either play wing. Who remembers seeing Broad being forced onto the ring, right? Because we've really not had it. We, then we tried Nash, who didn't work. We didn't. We really haven't had, other than McIntosh, dedicated wingers, right? Yeah, true. And McIntosh, yeah. even though he's got, he's, got, he's got a heart of gold, his disposal, I wouldn't say, is elite. So what we've done is, like, with Banks, I had, sorry, with Brown, I had one of my mates go, oh, why did you get him? You needed him. Why didn't you go for a mid? And I said, mate, this is perfect. Think of a broad type, because that's what I reckon you'll grow into, that type yeah. of height, that has elite hands, that has a natural inclination to run forward of the ball. Is But what I love about him that broad does not have, this kid is elite to cut into traffic. So if you look at a lot of his vision, and I've had a couple of mates have actually seen him live, He more often you'll see games of him where he, he's starting in the back half, but he pushes really high onto the wing. And then he's the one that actually brings the ball into the centre corridor. And he generally does it by running into it. So he cuts the angles. He breaks the lines. And could you just imagine, I can't wait either having a Brown on one wing and a Thomas Dow on the other, mm. right? That's how I think will end up happening. And what's great with those two, if one of them are getting tagged or it's not working, we can replace him with other equal talented kids that can do that role. It's going to be great. In three, four I, years, I, I, Absolutely agree with you with that. I, I get the feeling they didn't draft him, uh, Brown as a def small defender at all. They oh. drafted him with a view of being a midfielder or a wingman. And, yeah. Um, yeah, the people are saying, oh, we've drafted, we've drafted, you know, five defenders. I haven't. This kid's going to yeah. be a wingman. Yeah. But he yeah. Does Last point, if I may, if you, if you remember that a lot of wingers in our game at the moment don't have a defensive mindset, we're one of the rare sides that have our wingers roll back in the back half, like McIntosh, learning half-back flank. Yeah. This kid's yeah. had it as a kid, right? So, yeah, it's a yeah. beautiful drafting. Yeah, beautiful yeah I, I echo that. I was going to say something along the lines. He, he'll probably see himself go at times along on the half-back line in a flank position and but um, switch between that and the wing. So, look, his McIntosh has sort of done a bit of that over the times as well. So, Yeah, definitely important to weight, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Definitely important to note that, that the uh, the position they play in at Mab League doesn't necessarily reflect the position the club sees them playing as when uh, they get recruited. So we, not worth getting wound up about if you thought, oh, why well, have we picked you know three or four defenders? I can almost guarantee that won't be the case in the in the future. Yeah. Uh, next bit with pick twenty eight. Now this one I think was very much a slider. Tyler mm-hmm. Sonzi. Midfielder had uh, played at the VFL game against Box Hill with 24 disposals and two goals, and it's come out that he was a little bit underdone before going into that game as well, to the point where the club, or a lot of clubs, weren't sure whether he was going to play that. Um, I think he's a a super pick, elite skill. uh, You know, it's one of those ones, is there a reason why he slid? Maybe, but... Can I talk about that? The kid can play. The kid can play. Can I say something? Remember beginning of the year I said, my mate who... He's a recruiter. He's in that circle. Said we're hiding a bloke. You did say that. Side. Was it that was him? Sonzi. Yeah, really? it was Sonzi. That's what he, he confirmed that with me. He was. It was Sonzi. We did nothing to dispute his um, losing um, distraction and all that sort of shit that came through. And I was, mate. That's why I tweeted as soon as we got him. I lost my freaking mind. You did. Yes. In February, in February, high-end recruiters were rating him the number one pick. He was equal to that other fellow. And then that was that just dropped down the face of the earth, which was brilliant. Um, He's really had his injury happen. worries as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, not, it's not the first time we've we've gotten a still at a you know sort of thirties um, position in the draft. Like I think Collier Dawkins was expected to be sort of in the top twenty, and we got him a bit later on, and he was a real steal for us. He, what he showed this year, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what he can bring to us in the future. So if he's you know anywhere like a like a Collier Dawkins type, then we're 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 in good hands for sure. Yeah, one thing I like about him, lads, is that he's when he plays against men, he um, one he's got a frame that you can see once he puts muscle on, he's going to look like he's going to be a big boy. But he's just again great disposal, great overhead. And he's, he's kicking breaks the angles. Um, yeah, I'm just stoked. He's going to be inside mid. He can play inside, outside. He's going to be, yeah, someone really, really dangerous for other sides to worry about. Yeah, no, brilliant. Happy with Injuries that one, Tiger? Attitude problems. Injuries and attitude problems were the reason why um, he slipped. Um, it feels like we've got a culture that can fix that. 100%. Exactly. 100%. I don't, um, I don't uh, profess to have any knowledge about anything of that. Um, but surely, uh, with our culture, um, which has probably been the benchmark for uh, for the last uh, six years, um, I'm backing our, our club to get him in. He's a written supporter as well. Great I, news, I know Travis. That doesn't, I know that doesn't. <laughs> Travis Frost <laughs> yeah. has decided. <laughs> oh, you can keep us posted there, though, Travis. That's good. But it's interesting. Like we're saying, like we picked all these like smallish kind of you know mid-sized defenders, but. Um, blokes like Thompson Dow, Hugo Ralph Smith, um, uh, even Cumberland. I mean, they've played bugger all footy, so you can't just you can't just sort of push them to the side and say, you know, we'll bring in all these similar types. Um, they'll be given a go next year, and we'll find out more about them. And yeah, uh, cool. so they've so they've drafted for leg speed, yeah, backing we'll that that Dow, uh, Ralph Smith. Um, you know, these types will come on. And I like you a lot as a player. Cumberland sort of had a lack of opportunity as far yeah. as playing senior footy. So I think he showed a bit in the back end when the VFL was still up and running. 
Um, for me, I, I you know I would have been tempted to chuck him in for for a game at the back end of last season just yeah. just to see yeah, what he I could agree. add. You know, I was arguing the same for Ben Miller for a long time. So when he finally got a gig, you know, I was really thrilled for him when he when he played the last game against Hawthorne, albeit a be a draw. But I think we saw a little bit from him there. Uh, as well, it was long overdue that he that he's got his debut. So Cumberland should have played over Arts in that last game. Yeah, didn't he kick five yeah. or seven goals in the last kick couple six. of games he yeah. played? Yeah, yeah, I was I was shocked yeah. by that but, too. I, and they brought Arts back. You know, I'll just shut my mouth about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, talk about Banks. Banks, we Sorry? talk about Banks. Banks, Sam Banks. Yeah, Sam Banks, pick twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you watch the draft shows. Kevin Sheen obviously knows knows his shit and talks about a lot of people, but he, he seemed to light up a little bit with Sam Banks, I think because he felt like he just went under the radar and he shouldn't have to a lot of clubs. Uh, midfielder defender, dual-sided, oozes leadership, tough, good decision-maker. Um, if you if you read the uh, welcome thread on Big Footy, there have been a lot of comparisons to Luke Hodge with the way he handled himself in interviews, but he just seems like a, a real tough nut who just gets shit done and what I like about Banks and Sonzi for that matter is they're dual sided now I know that seems like a very you know normal thing that but a lot of players maybe aren't as proficient on both sides these days as, as what they used to have to be but um, yeah they, Sam Banks you can use it on either side and uh, I like this selection tugger don't know a lot about him um, I do know he's a very good character and they, they rate his leadership skills um, I don't know about whether he's like an inside sort of you know tough nut. Um, my understanding is that um, he's very much outside, um, and, and it gets back to the point where uh, where I think we've we've drafted for speed this year um, with him and the next pick uh, that we'll talk about, who's very quick. Yeah, and I think Travis makes a good point in the comments. We're uh, we're keeping our Tassie connection strong with Sam being a a good Tassie guy. So, um, you know, it's nice. We've had a, a lot of good footballers come out of Tassie and play for our club. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table too. Yeah, for me, for Banks, we were talking about um, Graham, about being a leader and, you know, our future. This kid we're talking about is under 15. What was it, under 12s, under, under 15s, under 18s. Every seat, every every um, grade he's gone to has been the captain, Right. So that, that, for me, just is a huge tick. Um, what's another yeah. little things really well? Like, if you look at all the kids when they get, did the first photo with them at the ground, who was the only one wearing Tiger socks? It was him. Now, that sounds silly, but um, I got trained very early on working my way in business in leadership roles is the little things define a leader. It's these little things. You do a lot of these little things right, and the big picture looks after itself. So... But as being outside, you know, what we've just recruited, he, he's going to be a Hodge-type halfback general. He's going to be our Vlosten. He's our Vlosten successor. I can see him um, attaching to Vlosten, directing the play like like Alex Ranch used to do. I see him being that type of level, not saying he's Alex Ranch, but he's going to be our right, settle-it-down leadership in that back half. Um, but with the ability to be able to burst through the centre, uh, he's got a lot of tools. He can be played in a half-forward pocket. He can be played in half-back line. But um, the best part about him that I love, and I've got a couple of mates that have seen a lot of him, regardless, he played against men. I think it was when he was six, a bottom age of like 15, he was playing against 18-year-olds in Tassie. And one of the things they said, he, he was dangerous. We've got a massive storm coming through here. Sorry, Tick. <laughs> like absolute house just shook. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
I don't know how long the internet's going to last. Sorry, mate. Keep going. <laughs> you know what? Only really good high quality talents get get to play. You know, three years above their age group. And yeah, not that. everyone can do that. And he kicked a no. ripper top as well from the yeah. centre of the ground that went through for a goal in his highlights package. Um, and the last player we picked up was Judson Clark with pick 30. Small forward slash midfielder, one of the quickest players in the draft pool. Good speed, agility, goal sense, goal sense and clean hands. And I know you guys have all touched on it, but when you see things like the quickest player in the draft, that really does highlight what our game plan was for this. Um, did laugh, though, on draft night when the player comparison was Dan Butler. Given we, just got, we got, we got, we got rid of him. But uh, I thought that seems a bit ironic that we got rid of Dan Butler to bring in a Dan Butler. But uh, he looks looks lively, bit of X factor. Mm. Mm. Yeah, don't um, know a lot about him, but yeah, he's quick, um, uh, which further illustrates my point that we. Carl, you go next, mate. I'll go straight after you, bud. No, all, all I was going to say is, if you look at us, you know, uh, over the last few years, we've really made the most of the the small forward with the fast speed in our forward line. Um, and and we probably it, it wouldn't mind getting a few fresh uh, fresh players in that area because you know we tried a little bit with arts this year, um, yeah, and and it just kind of it it probably didn't work as well as what we were hoping with with, with Jake. Um, so I think you know it, it doesn't hurt to have a, a few more players of that caliber in our in our list, and um, yeah, hopefully he can he can provide some competition to some of the other small forwards. Yeah. Um, no, Clark, guys, I want to. I want this bookmark, right? So everyone, we've just got. Um, we've got. I reckon the two steals in the dark. Well, I reckon we got literally three of the biggest steals, Sonzi. But my minds are really bullish on is Clark and Banks, right? People don't realise with Clark. Yes, he's fast, right? He's really fast, but he's the most agile football player that we've recruited for years. He. He was more agile than anyone else in his draft year. And what I mean by agile, how they, his ability to break the lines to go from left to right in traffic, he, it, it's an elite. He's one of those rare players that under heavy pressure can get the ball out. Right? That's why he's so dangerous as a forward. Um, and his ability to go from zero to 100 is amazing. Right? It's, we're going we're gonna to love this kid. He needs to put on a lot of size. I don't see him playing next year, to be honest with you. Um, but I see, with us picking Sonzi, in a, in a sense Banks, in a sense Clark, in a sense Brown, we're picking multi-positional types of players. And I reckon recruiting Dustin Martin has taught us something really invaluable, is those midfielders that can play forward, and if we grow that a bit, those players that can play forward, so they have a traditional role, but when they we need them, they can change up and go forward, are yeah. worth their weight in goal. Um, we've got it with Bolter. You know, in the grand final, we moved him into the forward forward half. We've now got it with every kid we've picked, they have kicked goals. But they've been played forward and they've been dangerous. So I'm absolutely static. And with these picks, we're saying to RCD, we're saying to Hugo Ralph Smith, we rate you. We want yeah. you to get your next level up to grow with you. So eventually we have you all playing together. Mm. Um, yeah, just at standing. Yeah. Yeah, we've won the draft. We watch it midway through. Two years from now, people saying this was our super draft. Yeah, good call. At, at the end of the day, oh, it's, it's absolutely teaming down. Have a look at that. Oh, I yeah. see it. Oh. oh, it's a fair bit heading your way. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> at, 
at the end of the day, if three of these boys make it, we'll have had a great draft. Um, yeah. And that's you, you can't you just can't expect to draft five kids who are all going to be superstars. It's just not going to happen that way. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm very confident that it's not going to be another Delidio draft where we draft one good player out of one. five. We had some bad ones yeah. there, didn't we? In the oh, previous yeah. Well, you look at <laughs> you look at that whole draft though. It, it was atrocious after about pick number seven. Most of the value came yeah. in the rookie League draft, and yeah. yeah, it was it was one of the weakest ones ever. Now, one yeah. player we have to talk about is uh, Sydney Stack. Now he's making the news again, but I think a lot of the Tiger Army are going to jump to his defence a little bit here. Um, I think it was Burge was asked a direct question about Stack and how he's tracking, and he said that he's you know he's got all the attributes, he's got the explosiveness, he's just got to improve his conditioning, but he's still learning. He's still a young kid trying to find his way. And then good old Karen Corns come out uh, on socials today, saying slapping him for using TikTok and saying he should focus on his footy and getting a kick first. And it's like, mate, if we all went home from our nine to five job. And then our boss rang us the next day and said, look, I'd rather you didn't use Facebook or TikTok you know, in your out-of-work hours. We'd tell them to piss off. Like, I, at the end of the day, it's his spare time. It's what he wants to do. If it makes him happy, so be. Like, I, I get that he has to improve on the footy field and he's got all the talent in the world. We need him to work harder. But I don't think him using TikTok should define who he is or suggest who he is as a footballer. Did you see his TikTok this afternoon in response to it? I did. And good on him for... You know, put him like it would have been really easy for him to go into his show and just not be seen or heard from for the next month. But he come out and just reiterated that it's what he, you know, makes him feel like he can be himself. I've got no problem with his social media. I've got I I'm going to be devil's advocate and say I've got a problem with what Peter Bird said though. He's, Throwing him under the bus a bit, you reckon? No, no, no. Oh, that's all. That's all back on Sydney. You know, he's twenty one. Um, he has to work harder. He can't just present um, in in bad shape every year, year after year. Um, we all we all know how much talent he's got. Um, I just don't think the penny's quite dropped yet. And um, you know, if it hasn't dropped by now, when is it going to? Yeah, I have a matter mind that new. Um, I don't know if I should say the player, but he, he's very much Ray White. I think that's the White from Brisbane Lions in their heyday. Was Darryl it Ray White? White? Yeah, Darryl yeah, White. Daryl White. Um, he, I have no problem with his socials. You know, if you need to, it, it's a good that we've got players that, you know, can vent, you know, get out of the bubble and release energy, right? That's sensational. You need it. And he's a special type of character, so that's what gets him off. Um, good on him. Feedback I've heard. Um, from people that I trust that know a lot more than me with this sort of stuff, uh, what Burge really was meaning is this, I think the penny has dropped for him, but the discipline's still not where at the level it needs to be. So he knows what he now needs to do. But he's he's so used to doing it one way or getting away, cutting corners, he's still – this is not fitness-based. He looks amazing, right? But, you know, some play, we, players get to a point where when it hurts, you go to the extra level, be it running, be it – Contested work beat, shuttle run, sprint. Players get taught to, once you feel that pain barrier, push forward through it. Stack seems to, when he hits that high tolerance level, he dips. And it takes someone to rip into him before his emotion kicks up and then he goes forward. That hasn't changed. Someone um, on Bigfoot, he made a really good post today, T, um, and I forget who it was. I apologise. Um, uh, he said that Sydney seems like the type of kid that when he's away from the club, he stitches off and lets himself go a bit. 
But once he gets back to the club, he, Jesus Christ, sorry. <laughs> once he gets back to the club, um, he's fine. If that structure's in place, the planning's in place, put in front of him, he's fine. But he's come back in good shape. He's come back in really good shape. Physically, he looks good. Not like a couple of years before. Other than that pink hair, he looks good. Right? So I, I'm hearing it's just he doesn't have behaviours in training where when it gets a bit hard, when he starts to feel fatigued, to go through it instinctively. He has to be motivated to do it. And that's still why he's got a lot of work to do. So I don't think we were slagging off on him in relation to his preparation. It's He knows what birds would, his meaning. And that's from what I've heard. He doesn't have that pain gear. Does that make any sense? What I said, sort of thing, you know. Um, he doesn't have that, you know, that tolerance to when he's under duress in training during games. Different story because his emotional levels are there. But during games where he's in training, where he's cold, his mind wanders mm. and he can't go with the pain tolerance. Probably the best way to explain it. I still reckon his best position's up forward. How good did he look against Hawthorne when they threw him forward in that last game? I know yeah. it was a glorified tracks match, um, pretty bruise free. But I still reckon I still reckon his best position's up forward. I'd love to see him play midfield. That's he has got a freakish IQ knowing where the ball's gonna be in traffic. If you look at a lot of his plays, he knows where the ball's gonna go. I reckon he'd read off a ruck really well. He would work really well with Shy Bolton. Um, I'd love to, to give him an opportunity in the guts. Um but yeah. Well, see, for me, I, I think it comes down to maturity. Like at the the age of twenty one, you know, he's pretty young, and he is sort of of that age where uh, social media use is, you, you know, it's regularly used by people in, in that age bracket. Um, but what I'd really like to see is, you know, we're a club that's had a lot of proud Indigenous history, and we've got some great Indigenous footballers on our list. In particular, the main standout for me is Marlon Pickett. I'd love for him to sort of really you know, I know he has a family and, and he, he, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has other things to worry about as well. But I'd really love to see some more mentorship from the Indigenous players at the club. And I'm sure they do a little bit as it is, you know. But just, just you know, if you look at Marlon Pickett's story and you look at Sydney Stack, they're both from Western Australia and even Manny Parker as well, to some sense, coming to the club. I just really like them all to, to come together and, and show support to Sydney Stack and say, look, you know, you have this great opportunity at this great football club. We're all here. We're all together. Um, let's let's all just work, come together, work together, and and talk about things and stuff like that, and make our focus footy. And if we've got anything that's troubling us, to, talk to each other about it and work on it together. You know, um, they, they're not meant. No, nobody's perfect at the end of the day, and and we forget like Sydney Stack was was in jail behind bars for for breaching um, COVID protocols. Like that's it. For someone of his age to go through something like that, it's pretty severe, really. You know, like yeah. that could be a traumatic sort of experience. So, I that think was disgraceful. Yeah, like I, I, I think uh, you know that, and then on top of the incident with Colin Jones, you know, and, and uh, which put him out of whack for he, he's had a few setbacks. So I, I just think there needs to be more education there for him and more support for him. And, and, and I'm sure there's there's been enough there, but just add a bit more, you know show some more investment into him and because he, he is such a talented player and um yeah I, I think he could be a really good long-term player for us if that's if that's given and that's a perfect point like i, I we people forget because he's had such a troubled childhood such a trouble you know even in recent times with being in jail and stuff 
his mental maturity might be three years behind. He's 21 years of age, yes, but he might be playing. He might be mentally like a 17-year-old. What I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's mentally slow, but mentally mature as a 17-year-old footballer, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. You know, where they come into a system, they think it still will work for them and, and the shock and then going through that and then, then they develop. He might be that because of his, you know, what he's gone through, you know, not having to fix the dress, having all the issues at home, um, now coming to our club. So that's a good point. Well, and the other thing is as well is I'd hate for him to end up like Tyson Stengel, you know, like we had Stengel at our football club and, and to his credit and now he's, you know, uh, I think he's gotten a contract with Geelong, but he went to Adelaide and then he had a few mishaps and stuff like that. Like I just think, you know, if he's not careful, he could go down a real self-destruction path. Yeah. But um, he is a talented footballer. He's on our list, so we should be giving him whatever support he needs. And if he needs education on what the risks are by putting stupid stuff on social media, then the club should pull him inside and say, like, look, we're fine with you using it, but just, you know, remember who you are. Remember the opportunity that you've got here. You're playing AFL League football, you know, and and look, and, and not just for a North Melbourne or a Gold Coast, you're playing for a side that's won three premierships and played finals in the last, you know, for, for the last four or five years. So I think it just, you know, it comes back to maturity and education. Yeah. And it definitely seems like a good kid. In the side. Yeah, he does. And a good kid with a good heart. Like, he's, 100%. He's not, he's not a malicious person. He's not, no, you know, no. he's not an angry person. Um, he's passionate so, about yeah, what I, he does. Like you can tell when he's I, playing footy, he loves what he's doing and he, he's put himself on display and mm. he's undoubtedly, we're undoubtedly a better team when he's in the 22 firing. Like, he's got talent for days. So oh, I agree with you, Tiggs, what you said earlier. I think he came back actually looking in really good nick by comparison to what we saw in previous years. Um, and I think he knows he kind of owes the club a little bit after the kebab gate debacle, but you know, I, I've got high hopes for him. He'll come in leaps and bounds. All right, the last thing I wanted to get your thoughts on before we wrap up, uh, and it's probably, it might be hard to narrow it down to three or four, but who in your opinion, each of your opinion, are the three to four most important players to us for us to bounce back in 2022? Carl? Um, I think for me, now that Trent Cotchin doesn't have the captaincy to worry about, I think it's important for him to have a good year next year. Um, as first first person that comes to mind, uh, I I think he just sort of took the brunt of a, a lot of of what unfolded this year um, as, as captain, and it really affected his on field performance. Like he just he just looked lethargic and and effortless at times throughout the year, and it was it, it just wasn't the coach we're used to seeing. You know, like I personally, that's that's what I, I thought I saw. Like there, he showed moments of, of the coaching that you know we we love to see. But I just think that um, for me, next year he needs to come back having given up, up the captaincy, and he, he's always going to show strong leadership. But I, I think you know the coaching we've seen do really well in our, in our premiership seasons is the coaching I, I want to see back next year. Um, so hopefully, coach can get back to that. Um, I think uh, I, I'd like to see Josh Caddy uh, come back and have an impact. Um, it, I, I think it's – if there's one thing that I, I've observed about Richmond of late, it's that we tend to get some time into some players and then they get their confidence up and then all of a sudden they're out of their, our best 22 or 23 and then their confidence is just shot. Like mm-hmm. it's just, you know uh, – and, and obviously there are some reasons for that, but – 
it, it hasn't always worked out for us when we, when we've made a big call to bring you know somebody of a high note to fill a role <laughs> while a caddy or a, a troll or someone like that has been playing good football. I think if if a player's come in to fill uh, you know from the VFL system to AFL and they're capable and they're showing they're capable and they've been doing some really good stuff and playing good football for Richmond, then they should be playing unless there's a reason why you know, a good enough reason to get them out because I think we've made some poor decisions sometimes when it comes to selection um, with players coming back from injury. We bring them in a bit too quick at times. So um, I, th- I think this year will be do or die for Josh Caddy, for us. Um, if he if he's sort of in and out of the side, I, I think it, it, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if he's at Punt Road in, in, in 2023, personally. So he's one, another one. Uh, I think... Castagna probably didn't have the year that we were we, we would have liked to have seen him have, um, and and there was a lot of discussion around his selection when it came in a forward line. Now, what people have got to remember about Castagna is he's a three-time Premiership player, and he may not get on the the scorecard every week, but his pressure that he applies, I think he's got he 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 can play for, but he has that defense ability to him as well. So, like, you know, when the ball's turned over, he's one of a few players on our list that will go at their opponents and, and apply a hard tackle and apply the pressure, the Richmond pressure football. So I can understand why he's been consistently selected. But I think he needs to step up and put pressure on the scoreboard next year again because he's done that really well in the past. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think if we take anything out of this year, it's it's pretty clear that we we were just burnt out as a, as a football club. Like it, uh, the premierships over the years, and particularly um, twenty twenty, I think had a, a major toll on our list, and we had a, a lot of injuries. So um, yeah, Castagna would be one uh, for me that I'd like to see uh, perform better. And I think um, I, I'd like to see Jake Arts have a, a better season as well. Um, you know, he's a Richmond guy. He's been given a good opportunity and I thought he did some good stuff but he's sort of a bit inconsistent um, so I think if he can you know I, I, I have a good pre-season under his belt and really apply himself this year like because when when he's on he could be as good a small forward as well uh, I reckon Butler what once was and whatnot I think there's plenty of potential there but um, yeah I think uh, next year we should hopefully we will see a better year from him as well. Yeah, I think both of them have to start being more damaging offensively. Is spot on. Defensively, no issues, but I think we're going to struggle to win games if our small forwards aren't hitting the scoreboard, Tugger. Yeah. Yes, hopefully he plays well for every AFL side next year. Um, <laughs> Kane Lambert for me. Uh, he played really hurt this year, I know. He's a warrior. Um, but the games that he did play, he just didn't um, just didn't impact enough. And I know that he he had a hip problem. Um, but if I believe I believe if he gets back to his best, um, he's basically like another recruit. He's he's the type of inside ball that we really missed this year. So I've got Kane Lambert as uh, my number one. Uh, Dion Prestia, I want to see him have a, an injury free season. If he has an oh, injury free season, that'd be nice. He'll, he'll finish top ten in the Brownlow. And I'm I'm not even joking. Um, when he when he plays, we are such a better side. You could see when he came in for those few games towards the end of the year, and then went back out in. Uh, we played, we were playing our best sort of football. Um, the other one, 
I want to. This might not be popular, but I want to see more output from Tom Lynch. Uh, he didn't hit the scoreboard enough for me last year. Um, you know, it's one thing for Dimmer to come out and back him and saying, you know, he's crashing packs, he's bringing the ball to the ground, but we're not paying him about 800k a year to do that. Uh, we're paying him to kick, you know, 50 goals a year, 40 to 50 goals a year. Um, and I, I thought he was probably our most disappointing player last year. That might be that might be a, um, a bone of contention for a lot of Tiger fans, um, but it's just how I feel. So um, they're the three boys that I think I would that if they can increase their output um, and get games into them, um, we'll be back up in the top top four to six. Fair enough. And um, and and also um, uh, Soldo. Um, didn't oh, play all last year. He's, he's basically a new recruit for us. So uh, I, I like our side a lot better when we have Nick and, and Ivan. Um, I agree. Sort of, yeah, yep. helping. 100%. I love that. Uh, Tiggs, round us out. Yeah, first of all, Damo and Oki. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Uh, is Tiggs away? Um, it's the glare off the screen. You can't see is, your eyes or your glasses. It is. Here we go. Now I can't see the screen, but there you go. Um, no, for me, yeah, Prestia for me is the most crucial player on our list. We need him to play fit, free footy. Um, so Prestia for me. Um, the other one, funny enough, in the midfield was Shy Bolton. We really need him to get that extra, go another level again. Um, you know, I'm not even talking about my I have full confidence with him, but if we can get in the guts... Prestia um, having an even contribution throughout the whole year. Shy Bolton giving us that extra dynamic in the midfield, you know, going an extra level again. Is really those two players going to really set us up? In the back line for me, we need, it's crucial that we have Grimes playing the whole year injury free. He is so important to our, to the method of how we play. Um, and Ditto for me, Bolter. Um, we need Bolter. If we can keep, if we can keep, Pressure on the gut, um, on the ground all year, Bolton lifting, um, and then you've got Grimes playing all game all year because he's injury free. Let's hope so. And then Bolter injury free alongside him, um, we're easily be top four easily um, because at the end of the day, how I see it is our forward lines had a lot of issue because our midfield couldn't get him any decent supply. We had so many dirty balls, it was it was disgusting at times how bad. Um, but if you looked at the data, our inside 50 count was really high. This is poor entry. Yeah, it was yeah, shallow, dirty up here and there. Um, and the forwards just, you know, what could they do? But um, no, I see this. If you can get the back line sorted and the midfield sorted, we'll hold enough sides to a low enough score to allow us to win. And the reality is, even in our heyday, we've never been a side in the home and away that blew sides apart. It was rare. We'll do that. We'll beat you by 10 goals. It was rare. But we'll consistently beat you by four or five goals. Consistently. So it's only when finals where we pump sides. So uh, let's hope that returns. Is it too soon to put the pressure on Robbie Tarrant to uh, play a big year for oh, us? What a good pick-up. We, we should have. Michael, that's, you didn't wear your onesie, which you should have, like you did the last show. <laughs> it's to, too hot. It's too muggy out here. No, just do, do it for the show, mate. Um, no, I've got it. it. I've got it here. I just haven't got no. it on. <laughs> now, Tarrant for me is a astute, smart, fantastic pickup. I reckon he'll play three years, to be honest. How yes. many games do you reckon he'll play next year, T? I reckon people are saying we got him as, as depth. I easily lock him in for 16 games. Easy. I would have said, I would have said 12 to 15. And he'll play all the finals. 
if he's mm. fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, he'll be picked for all the finals, hundred percent. I can, I can see Gibka sneaking in for five or six games too. As a forward, I see him. If there are, as a forward, well, even even back if there are, if there are injuries. My thing, my worry is, my feeling is, Dan Rioli experience will finish. I don't think he's going to he's going to rob us too much in the back line. I reckon he's Completely got to play agree. forward. Completely I know agree. he started. He did all right at the, towards the end, but he's he's. I reckon for me, Arts has got to play VFL. I reckon Daniel Rioli has to play the Arts role. Right, he needs to do that because I reckon they're going to get a lot more supply in the forward fifty, which means Daniel Rioli is like George. You mentioned. I'm glad you're you're on, Carl, because you're you're an astute footy brain in the sense that. Our left wing, right wing in the forward line, um, two players consistently get very low disposal. And if you look how we set up, Castagna is on one, Rioli was on the other. But what they yeah. did, they funnel the ball with their pressure. So what they do is they create the wings to be a lot narrower. And that's how we got our turnover game and all that from it. So that's why they allowed players like Lambert to run really deep. We need that back. And I reckon, I reckon Dan Rioli can do that. Jaden Short needs to be gear too. I was disappointed with his um, season this year after yeah. a really good 2020. Um, he needs to lift. Yeah. Oh, we've got a few players that, are, like you said, Caddy's on his last legs, Arts. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we delisted. If Daniel Rioli has another year that of the same level, um, he's going to be on shaky ground regardless of Morris or not. We've got Morris Rioli too, guys. Yeah. Well, you know, people forget he's he's. I reckon he's still got another year of development, get a, a full VFL side year, but you know, play a few cameo games. Mm. But um, yeah, we've got so much. Like someone, an astute post to put down. Um, we've got tw- I think out of our list, we've got twenty-two players that are twenty-three and younger. That's good, and like, and that's like, how good's it going to be if VFL's back full time? We can all go and watch all these kids running around on a week to week basis. Like, I know we're not the only supporter base who's missed out, but it's so frustrating when you have all these talented kids come to your footy club and you, you read so much about them, watch their highlights, then you can't go watch them, then they can't find form to break into the team. It must be just a very frustrating time uh, to be sort of trying to break into a team like ours, but uh, yeah, if all these guys can stay fit on the park, it's going to be bloody exciting. Equally as exciting, you could even argue, to watch the VFL team and see what's coming through there. For sure. And Martin, we've got the two... Big Martin. 13-centimetre basketball player that will start training in March, is it? March 17th? We'll I think start so. Starts, yeah. And I'm looking forward to see what Biggie can, can produce as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he looked good. I'm glad we um, yeah picked him back up too. Yeah, and I think Samson Ryan as well. Like he was unlucky when he made his debut against St Kilda. Oh, like, was he like, ever? It, it was it was the worst possible game he could have made his debut yeah. in. And 100%. I think I think he he has a potential to be you know a third ruckman behind Solbo and their Curvis, given given the time and um, playing his second game in a game that's not like the St Kilda game. And I 100% agree. I think we said the week after that game that that is not an accurate reflection of that young man's football potential. Um, I felt felt so bad for him that he was – it just – he got injured within the, in the first quarter. Nothing lined up for him. Uh, and I really hope he gets another crack. You know the um, one thing I loved about him, though? The one thing he showed that I, it made me instantly go, okay, I don't care if he doesn't get a kick. I want him in the side. Is when that umpire made that shocking call and he lost his 
freaking mind. What are you doing? Well, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys see, but for me, I, I kind of see a bit of a, a young Richo in him. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I just, part of me thinks, you know, give him the time. He has the potential to be like a really good member of our, our footy club. So I think he, I he was unlucky. He was unlucky at the time. Oh. But um, give him the time, and, and I think he could be really good, you know, for our ruck stock, which I think is the reason why, you know, we didn't end up drafting uh, another, you know, sort of tall forward ruck option that we've got faith in in our ruck stocks despite losing, yeah. you know, Chol and, and Coleman Jones. I'm hoping um, he can be a little bit like um, Melbourne's Luke Jackson. Um, no, yeah. he actually can be as good as Luke yeah. Jackson. But if, He's got goal if, sex if he can, too, though, doesn't he? If doesn't he can that? ruck a bit and pinch forward... He's he's a very good set shot for goal. I agree. Um, so, yeah. Just quickly, and I, I love the um, I love a yes or no from the audience too. But I love your input, Tugger and uh, uh, Carl. Um, do you reckon Melbourne's going to handle being the hunted next year as premiers? No. Do you reckon they're going to handle the premier tag? I don't no. think so, personally. No. no, no. I'll say what I think just quickly. I, I I've been saying this to people. I'm not afraid to put this opinion out there. I'm, don't get me wrong, I was wrapped for the Melbourne supporters because it's been so long since they've won a grand final and we all know what that feeling's like. We went a long time before we saw one in 2017. So, you know, soak it up, enjoy the moment and it was good to see them enjoy their moment at the MCG um, yesterday. But for me, and I could be missing the mark completely here, but for me, I see them going very well and maybe making it to the grand final, but sort of being a bit similar to their Essendon of 2000. They make the premiership in two thousand and one, and they get belted by somebody. Who 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 that is? I don't I don't know what what team it will be, but I just I think they'll be up there around the mark again. And they have some quality footballers, but I think there's there's a team out. It could be Richmond, but there's a, there's another team out there that's um that's going to jump over the top of them. I think they're the most talented list in the competition, so I'd be I'd be very surprised if they're not top four again. Um, the hunted that, that's a really good point too um you know uh, when you become the hunted rather than the hunter it's a complete, completely different mindset but oh, uh, all i know is that uh, equalization is working and it's a very very even comp from one right down to about 14 and um the last few years we've seen teams come from you know 13th and, and 9th uh, to win premierships so uh, it's wide open now, I know the show's gone longer than we usually do, but I do want to do a few minutes of listener questions just while we've got two special guests. Um, first one from Tiger D. Has Tiger and Raul Conley ever been seen in the same room together? There's been a few it's of these come through now. from different people. It's freaking. Tiger D. Dave, Dave's one of the three mates that I go with to the footy. And um, <laughs> Dave, you're a fucking flog. <laughs> uh so I think uh, Richard at the Disco is another one who put that yeah, in there yeah, earlier yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, smart ass. Uh, keep sending through the questions. The this is more of a question when we were talking back about Samson Ryan. I'll ask you, Carl. Do you think do you think the players did enough in that particular game to try and get him a possession? Like they would have, he would have known, and they would have known he was pushing shit up a little bit. Like. Just dish him a cheeky handball. Yeah. Uh, look, I, it, it wouldn't have mattered, I don't think. But I, I was at the game and just everything was going wrong for us. Like, you know, we, we were making really silly mistakes. Uh, and, and St Kilda just looked 10 times better than us. Like, yeah. And, and I thought that was the worst game of the season. Then I saw us play Gold Coast. Um, 
<laughs> you know, like it's just it, it wasn't going right for us. The conditions that it was really average conditions that day, and um, wasn't good conditions for a bloke like Samson Ryan to make his debut. That's for sure. We went tall. No. We, we probably should have gone a bit small on the day. Hundred percent. Um, it's a good and, point. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. When you when you look at Morris Rioli Junior.'s first game, I think it took deep into the second quarter for him to get his first possession. That was from a tackle that I think it was Jaden Short could have taken the advantage and played on. But Jaden Short, um, being smart upstairs, said, no, I'll stop and let Morris have his first possession and get it mm. out of the way. Yeah, you're right. Remember that. Yeah. Uh, Tiggs, this one from you from Kano. Oh, you Kane, by the way. Uh, do we bring back Jack Dye's number for our captain, a tradition we used to have? Yeah, I like it. You know, particularly, too, going to get rid of the stand. Um, and also, too, Cochin's the one that changed it. You know, he... he Wanted, you know, to have his own individual. So, no, I, yeah, 100%. Um, Forgive, can I just weigh in for a second here? Forgive me if I'm wrong, but in the transition period between Wayne Campbell and Kane Johnson, was Wayne Campbell not captain and wearing number nine for a little while? I believe he was. Yeah, I like, believe he I, was. I'm just putting it out there just for the sake of this topic point. I, I'm, I'm convinced there was a period of time there where Wayne Campbell was nine and he was wearing – and he was captain – before, like, it went back before. to the tradition. So, like, I, I, I think it doesn't matter what number the captain wears; they're still the captain, personally. Ah, uh, to know from me, no from you. Uh, there's another one here for you, Carl. How will T go as an, a new assistant? I'm wrapped with this appointment. Mm. I think the one thing that really was a big disadvantage to us is we didn't have any um, we, we, uh, a lot of uh, great support in the coaching box for Dimmer. Um, we had Kingsley, of course, as uh, a, a well uh, reputable assistant coach and senior assistant coach. But I think we lost some great coaches in McRae and Lepage, and the people that stood up into those roles, while you know they they had the credentials, um, weren't of the calibre of a Teague, of a McRae, of a, um, of a Lepic, you know, those types of coaches. And I think that really showed last year in some moments because when Dimmer had the support of coaches like Lepper and McRae, um, he didn't, it wasn't too dependent on Dimmer to find a spark with the group, I think, personally. Um, so having someone like Teague come in, now we've got Dimmer, we've got Teague, we've got Kingsley, and then you know, the other coaches that were there last year, I think it just, it's going to make the, the coaching group stronger as a whole. Um, and I think he was really stiff to be sacked as Carlton coach, to be honest. If you yeah. look at the stats in relation to senior coaches in their first few seasons, he had a better coaching record than what Dimmer and what Alistair Clarkson had in the first two seasons. Yet Carlton said, ah, oh, you're not good for us. We're going to get rid of you. So um, I think he's got a lot of value to add. And um I think I was one of the early people to say and, and make a little Photoshop of Teggy with a Richmond polo on and say, get him over. Like, you know, he's he's a, a great in the footy industry. He's got a good footy brain, and I think he's going to be really useful for our for our side. He's the Ford line coach, isn't he? Travis just asked what line. I'm pretty sure it's the Fords. Yeah. I think so, ball yeah. Forward ball movement coach. Mm. And yeah. ask most Carlton supporters what, um, what Teggy was like as a coach, and they were very happy with him offensively. Um, it's yeah, just that they were too easy yeah. to score against. Um, yeah. so, oh, when you've got yeah. Liam Jones down there, it's 
kind of no surprise that you're easy to yeah. score against. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's a breed addition. Um, and what you said, Carl, spot on. Just the, the support to have around Dimmer on game day and at training um, is going to be invaluable. So, mm. he's a Golden sure. Valley boy, too. Is he? Like Tantra lad. No, he's, um, he, he'll be one of our best recruits for the year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, one of the reasons, too, I heard is just his personality. Um, Tim is a firecracker when he gets pressured. He can get uh, emotional. Um, but with T, nothing seems to uh, change. He's, he's just nice and calm and measured throughout, regardless of what's going on. And you need yeah. someone like that in the box. For sure. It's, it's good. And, you know, I, I think, uh, again, Dimmer, as senior coach, took uh, uh, a lot on last year. Uh, I, I think he he was really under the pump, you know, because we've seen in performances where we've gone down three or four goals, we've really responded and we were just sort of, we were lacking that spark we've seen in our premiership years where we might have been down and out or we might have thought we were down and out and we've come back and we've managed to win the game or, you know, at least get within a kick or two, like the real Richmond brand of football. It just, we didn't look like the Richmond we've come become used to watching this year at all, you know. There wasn't any patches of it. I the and, and the warning signs for me was when we played Sydney at the MCG, the way they just were able to dominate us at our home turf. I thought, well, yeah. hang on a second, you know, that 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 for me was a massive warning sign for how the year was gonna unfold. Yeah. You know, it wasn't gonna rule us out there and there, but I thought, geez, they've really, yeah. you know, but in that game, in that game, that like had so many questions marks. Apparently, five, kicking at five meters was fifteen meters. There was a lot of shit that was um, yeah. not right. And, that and that comes with that comes with new rules to the game, like the stand rule, and it being so early in the season too. You know, but it was all one way. It was literally yeah. all one way though that they called it all one way. It was five we pretty, we, we played pretty poorly. Well. We didn't help. Yeah, it was, it was just a poor game. Yeah, well, like for me, I just sort of looked at it though, and I. I I thought even if we lost that by like twenty five points, it was sort of. I was thinking it was the way it was played. Yeah, yeah. The, I agree the, with that. Was a look great. Yeah. All right. The the last question we'll go with. We'll get a quick one from everyone. The greatest Tiger player you've had the privilege of watching. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got mine. I've got mine. I'll go first, Lance, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah, go. Um, mine's mine's Matty Rich, Matty, Matthew Richardson, right? And the reason why he played with the emotion of a supporter for me, he, um, he through the shit years, and even though I would not have jumped off from the club, he his love for the club made me love the club more. So it made me put up with all the shit. That makes any sense. So in that alone. I reckon he. If it wasn't for if we if it wasn't for Richo, we wouldn't have the volume of my generation still supporting the Tigers, mm. and for that he gets my vote. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Who wants to go next? You go, you go, Carl. All right, I'll go. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. I think Richo for me growing up was a, was an idol, and um, you know made my love for, for the Richmond Football Club just grow and grow. Um, you know, like, I, he, he's just... The, he, he bleeds yellow and black. You know, it's it's in his blood. His, his old man played for the club, you know. Um, and you just saw the emotion that he showed, you know, when we made it into the grand final in, in 2017. Yeah, it was just... 
you know, it was it was something that he'd been waiting for for a long time. And 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 the way that he's involved in the club actively, you know, through the podcast and doing media and stuff like that, it just it just shows the kind of bloke and character he is, um, and the respect he has from. You know, all the Richmond supporters, even non-Richmond supporters, for for his dedication to the one club. You know, because there's been various different stories. I think there was a story recently that came out about Dennis Pagan approaching him to get to go to Carlton. Um, at one point, the conversation was there, uh, and and he knocked it back and, and said, you know, I'm I'm a one one team player, and, and I'm going to see out my career at Richmond. So, yeah, for me, um, for Richo is mine, but um, I, I have to say, a close second would be Dusty for sure. Yeah. Tugger? Uh, the best player... Michael Roach wasn't the best player that I've ever seen, but he was the player who I wanted to be my player. So I, was a, I was a crap full forward, and I wanted to be him. Uh, so, yeah, I'll have to say Disco. Um, you know, that, that 79 and 80 season um, where he just was taking hangers and, you know, just never missed from 40 metres out uh, or less. Uh, yeah, he, he was my idol. But, I mean, Dusty, Richo, uh, Nida. Um, I, I love Matthew Knights. Uh, Flea yeah, Waitman. Brodders. Brodders, yes, oh, yeah. I love the Brodders. Yeah. I, I have to say, even though he wasn't the best player, so I'm probably not answering the question properly, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Richo's the, the obvious one for what he did for the club, but I think from a talent based one, I think Dusty's got him just with just the ridiculous things that he's done to to win us games off his own boot. And it's it's not the home and away stuff, it's the final stuff. Like yeah, that yeah, grand yeah. final when he beats five Geelong players, kicks a goal, like he's the moment man and he's proven it like time and time again. Um, and I think he's just just a very, very special player to watch. But equally as blessed to watch Richo play, and he's a fantastic human and did such uh, a lot of stuff for this club that uh, will uh, never be forgotten. But, yeah, from a pure talent perspective, I think Dusty is just does things that shouldn't be doable. And we're very, very lucky to have him. And I, and sure. I, I, would, I reckon that if he was at any other club, I reckon you could say that he wouldn't have reached the heights that he has because I don't think clubs have the same sort of support networks as watertight as what we have. And that's without any knowledge, I guess. But um, I just feel like that we've been able to bring the best out of him and let him be dusty. Mm. And we're very lucky to see it. I think the only other club that might have done well with a Dusty Martin, if you think about it, would be uh, probably Hawthorne. Like, if, if, if you had to compare a club that we're, you know could say that we, we've followed a similar pattern along the lines of and you know, yeah. Dimmer came out of the Hawthorne system. I think – but it, I don't. I still don't think he would have had the same impact as what he has at Richmond. So, yeah. But if, See, it, I reckon Dust, he would have got close there. Just on that with Hawthorne, I don't think so because I think the magic was Dusty with Cochin, right? They, were, they, yeah. they went together as a group. If he had gone on the Hawks, he would have had superstars around him and probably, like you said, couldn't be his natural self because he's had these superstars. He didn't have superstars yeah. around him, if you really be realistic. Our list was pretty fucking shy, you know. So he yeah. um, he he got to be, with Cochin, our A-grade player, just naturally, yeah. organically, and then that allowed him to be who he wanted to be. But he's a gun. He's a, yeah. he's a freak. 
All right, so that just about does it. Now, we do have some exciting news, and I'm sure everyone's seen it on the socials, but there's an open training session at Punt Road this Thursday the 9th. Gates open at 3 p.m. There's a barbecue. You can get a photo with the 17, 19, and 20 cups. Here from Peggy, and the store is open. So uh, great to see that you know it's open back up and we can get some fans in there to, to watch the boys train and you know, be nice and loud and let them know that we're back and we're, we're proud and glad to be able to watch them up, up close and in person again. And let's be honest, we'll probably get more than Melbourne had at the MCG. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. You underestimate Melbourne, Tig. They've actually got a pretty big Leighton supporter base. Yeah, yeah Leighton's the word. So what yeah. do they use for our mob? Oh, bandwagon. You watch them. If they get an extra 10,000, all of them will say, yeah. oh, I've been in no, the They're, they're all right when they're not hidden at the snow or stuck in a yeah. cheese platter and a bottle of red. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, so get, get, get down there, folks, on Thursday. And um, I'm sure it'll be a pretty big turnout if, if people can get there. So call in sick. Your bosses won't mind. <laughs> All right, with with that, uh, we I do acknowledge this has gone longer than usual, but when there's Richmond stuff to talk about, you just got to do it. There's no other way around it. So, Tiger and Carl, thank you so much for your time and coming on tonight, putting your hands up. Very, very much appreciated and uh, naturally more than welcome back on uh, various stages throughout the year. And Absolute pleasure having you both on. Pleasure. Thanks for having us, guys. Really appreciate it. It's been fun. No doubt at all. And Tiggs, thank you for your time as always, mate. Very much appreciated. And to the viewers out there, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate the love and support. Um, I think this will be the last show before Christmas. I know I've said that maybe two or three times now, but unless something pops up that I'm unaware of, uh, have a safe Christmas, everybody. Uh, keep interacting with us on the socials. Um, make sure you all pile in on CB and give him shit about his glowing skin or just whatever you can give him shit about. Uh, and just keep talking footy. And I'm sure we will all... Yeah, communicating and talking into the new year, and uh, we back back into it January, Feb. Once preseason starts, the, take the bright side, guys. You won't miss us too much because if you ever miss us too much, just put on send. You'll hear me call um, drive time order. It's all you know. Uh, you know, you'll get me for calling from time to time. So yeah, it's all good. Just just Merry as long Christmas. as you don't end up as long as you don't end up like Mario from Doncaster. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, the Melbourne supporter. Yeah. <laughs> he was Boof, Boof. Is that the guy's name on the board? Boz, Boof, something like that. Uh, the Melbourne poster on the on the board's kids. <laughs> we'll uh, never, ne- never forget the day he called him from the petrol station and threw up on himself after... Uh, after it was funny Richmond. shit. Yeah. After the Sydney game, it was. <laughs> Look what you put to me. One of the best of all time. Yeah. All right, have a, have a great night, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in, and we will speak soon, no doubt. Fantastic. Take care, guys. Merry Christmas.